Hey, it's Klaus here, host of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Have you ever wondered if your store could perform better? Well, I have something special for you. I'm offering Shopify store audits again. I will walk through your Shopify store and share ways to make it better and show you ideas for a better conversion rate. I will pinpoint areas for improvement on your homepage, category page, product detail page and checkout. And I will uncover missed opportunities and show you the issues holding you back. To get your store audit, visit klauslauter.com slash audit. That's C-L-A-U-S-L-A-U-T-E-R dot com slash audit. Apply today as I will only offer five store audits this month. This is episode 202 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Today, Jack van der Wild of Data Feed Watch joins me on the show and we talk about how feed optimization will increase your pay-per-click conversions. So let's get started. This is the e-commerce coffee break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. show. Welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break podcast. Today, we want to dive into a topic that should be very high on the list of every merchant. We want to talk about data feed optimization. Now, a lot of merchants do not even know what that is, but I'll just give you an example how important it is. There is more than 2,000 search engines, social platforms, social channels, marketplaces, custom channels in more than 60 countries around the world. And most merchants are only on Google and Facebook, and that's basically it, and they do it manually. There's a better way to do that, and that's what we want to talk about today. With me on the show, I have Jack van der Wilt. He's the founder and CEO of Data Feed Watch, and he is a shopping feed industry leader, a startup mentor, and entrepreneur. Chuck held leadership position in both the United States and Europe, and he's also a seasoned guest speaker at Industries and Mentors at Startup Bootcamp. So Chuck, definitely the right person to talk to when it comes to data feeds, and I would like to welcome him to the show. Hi, Chuck, how are you today? Thanks for having me, Klaus. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Chuck, data feed. Not everyone knows what that is, what that means, what it does. Maybe give a bit of an overview, and let's get started there. Let me start very basic. Virtually every retailer wants to advertise his products on advertising channels like Google. Facebook, comparison shopping sites, affiliate networks, and what have you. Let's continue to take Google as an example. You need to tell the channel what the products are that you're selling. And in order to do so, Google basically says, yo, send me an, an Excel file with all the product data in it. So the first column is the unique ID and then the title and the description and the price and the image link. And then I understand what you sell. And then I will enable you to create an advertising campaign in Google Ads. You just need to make sure that you're meeting the requirements that Google puts up. So the unique ID goes in a column called ID. Whereas your next day, you want to also send a data feed with your product data to, let's say, Price Runner. And then to say the unique ID needs to go in a field called SKU, right? And then the third channel is going to an article number. And so... They'll all have different requirements, not just for the field names, but also for the formats of the feed, the content of the feed. And if that isn't enough trouble to begin with, they want you, rightfully so, to update your product data every day. And that makes total sense, not just because you are discontinuing products and adding new ones, but also you're changing prices, or let's say 10-20% of your products overnight. And most importantly, you run out of stock for some products, whereas you add new stock to other products that you used to be out of stock for. 
So, so much changes that you want to update that at least once a day. Okay, so far, so good. But you want to do that manually, that's a disaster. So you need to take action at least once a day to get feeds up and running with three different formats and what have you. So anyway, life is too short, and especially merchants, they're juggling like 10, 20 balls from buying stuff to selling stuff to operations, warehousing, and what have you. So they shouldn't be spending time on this. Hence, enter Data Feed Watch. So Data Feed Watch is a web-based application that connects directly to your online store, whether that's a bespoke one or one on Shopify, Woo, e-commerce, whatever you, we integrated with everything. And then we're downloading all of your product data automatically every night or 24 times a day, if that's what you want. Subsequently, we enable and help you to create those data feeds to Google, to Facebook, to PriceRunner, to anywhere you would like to go, including custom channels. And then when that's in place, you can still optimize and change everything. But at least you know that every day my data is taken from the store and updated on those channels. So I have fresh data. I will not be selling out of stock products. My prices will be updated. So will my sale price, etc. So first thing we help you with is meet those feed requirements. Subsequently, you find out if you send out those feeds to, for example, Google, Google will disapprove a number of products because you forgot to add color as a separate field. Some of the products do not have a description or a price. So next thing you want to do is fix those problems so that Google will approve all of your products, which means that you will get to advertise these products. Thirdly, now that we're at it, we might as well optimize the data. And you're thinking, my data is pretty good. Well, sure, it may be optimized for your online store, which does not necessarily mean it is optimized for your advertising campaign. So let me give you a few examples. Let's say you sell jeans. You have jeans.com. You will go to the pants section and there you will find the 501, right? So the page will just show the image of the pair of jeans and 501. So 501 on the shops page is an excellent title. But if you want to advertise this very same pair of pants, you want the title to be, remember what a product listing ad on the Google shirt looks like. You know, it's that big image and subsequently the title and the title should be Levi's 501 men's blue jeans size 32. Why is that so much better? Because this is how people search. Now your consumer will either search for exactly that or at least what the brand is, what the size is, what color he's after. And obviously they want spare jeans. If there's a big match between the search query of the consumer and the title in the product ad, Google is going to say, this guy is looking very specifically for a pair of jeans. And I've got an ad here that has a title. That's exactly that. So that must be a good match. So therefore I should show this ad instead of other ads. So there you have it. An enriched title will get you more impressions, especially on the long tail searches. If your ad's out there, the customer is more likely to click it because, hey, this is exactly what he was searching for, right? And after he clicks, he's just more likely to buy because after all, he's getting exactly what he was looking for. Tight enrichment is my favorite example uh, for how to optimize data for campaign performance because it gets you more impressions, a higher CTR and a higher conversion rate. And all of that by combining six fields for all of your products, 
So brand, product type, color, size, and what have you. In an intuitive tool like ours, to achieve that will take you 30 seconds. And that's it. It can be this simple and can be that powerful. Using a data feed should be done by every merchant out there. And then some of them might use it already. You mentioned Google, obviously Google Merchant Center. And I think a lot of them, the first problem they have, they do not check on disapproved products. So they just connect it to the merchant center. And then I think it's fire and forget. And then they wonder that nothing is coming in. One question I have, a lot of stores go to the direction of multi-location, multi-language. So basically, they want to have products in different countries announced. Does DataFeedWatch support that as well? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of merchants that, for instance, have multi-locations on Shopify or Magento, which means that they're selling, let's say, the same 25,000 products in five different countries and therefore in five different languages. So basically, they've already created five different stores in the shopping cart, where there's like really physically five or in a more harmonized way, like on Shopify and Magento, they have five stores. That means that they will create five stores in DataFeedWatch and will download the appropriate data, language data for each of the stores. In your UK store, you will create a data feed for Google UK, Facebook UK, PriceRunner UK, whereas for the German store, you may do the same thing for the local Google and Facebook, but maybe also Zalando or Diallo or some other local language sites that require you to provide your data in the local language. Okay. Question is when you set up your product in Shopify, for instance, or in WooCommerce, Magento, whatever it is, I think a lot of merchants do not really fill in the most crucial information. What are the most important fields that they definitely need to have on their product detail page when they feed in the data? to make it really work. The stuff you probably won't be able to forget anyway when you start entering data in your store is stuff like a title and the price. Those are really indispensable. What people tend to forget is what Google would call optional fields. So, so for example, apparel, every apparel product requires you to enter color and size and material and some other stuff as separate fields, right? The retailer just enters the title, the price, description, everything's in there, so he's happy. And then he goes to David Watch and then David says, hey, you need to fill out the color field because it's a peril, right? We will not let you save this feed until you've mapped the color field. Because, you know, if you don't, we know it will be disapproved. We want to prevent that from happening and what have you. The way to solve that outside, either you go back at your store and you fill out the color field for all of your 25,000 products, it's going to take you a couple of days, right? It's, that's going to be a lot of fun. So just as an example, most retailers also mention the color of a product in their description, right? So that in David Wash, you use an extract rule that will extract the colors from the description or your mm-hmm. title or from somewhere else. And bang, in a minute, you've created a color field or a size field that you didn't have in the first place. So whatever you forget, now 99% of the cases, you can make up for it with an intelligent tool like that. Okay, that's quite helpful. Now, when it comes to these different channels that you can use, and we said there's more than 2,000 in a ton of countries, so it's a lot. People mainly think about Google Shopping. What would be the main ones that you would recommend to be also on beside of Google? We published a feed marketing report in the course of last year as David Watch is a top five global player. We felt that whatever is happening at David Watch is representative 
of what's happening in the, let's say, in the world of data feeds globally. So one of the things that came out that I thought was very interesting is, like you say, the number of people that is using Google is 92%. And people on social is like 54%. And then the combination is 44%. So 44% of all retailers already do, let's say, Google and Facebook, search and social. The next category is only 11%, and that is affiliate networks. And I think that is the runner-up, and I think that is really the one that's easy to forget. People, they're also not doing price comparison sites on the large scale, but because they, they think, hey, I'm on Google, so I'm good. Comparison happens there as well. But affiliate networks basically is like a different type of advertising. It is CPA-based, so cost per acquisition, not cost per sale. It's therefore pretty risk-free because I'm bidding you five bucks for every time you sell something for me, and it is not that hard to do. And again, you just need to create a daily feed to get there. I would recommend every retailer to look into affiliate networks. It depends on your product. Maybe some products are less suited for it than others. But in many cases, it is a great type of advertising to add. I only spoke about advertising channels right now, but the third biggest elephant in the room after Google and Facebook, or even before Google and Facebook, is Amazon. Whether you want to be on the marketplace or not is a very fundamental choice. On the one hand, you should be, because at least half of the population in the Western world, especially in the U.S., Amazon is the starting point for a product search for consumers, even more so than Google. On the other hand, retailers are sometimes afraid that if I start selling on Amazon, I will not be longer in control of the customer relationship. If I'm going to be very successful on Amazon, maybe they're going to sell my stuff by themselves and then they're running me out of business. But in terms of where is your consumer, he's on Amazon. The Holy Trinity of search, social, and marketplaces, Google, Facebook, Amazon, is the first thing that are for every retailer. Okay, yeah, I'm 100% with you on the same page when it comes to Amazon. It's a two-sided word there. Obviously, people go to Amazon with a buyer's intention. So out of the bat, they are already better customers if they buy it from you. But you're 100% right. Amazon keeps your data. Amazon can be a risk. And at the end, Amazon is also a very expensive channel if you sell over Amazon because they take a ton of money from you, from the merchant to make it work. But nevertheless, you should be on Amazon. I 100% agree on that one. When a merchant wants to start optimizing the data feeds, what kind of homework do they need to do before they can really get started? Before they get started, if you sign up to Data Feed Watch, there's not much homework to do because we have a template-based system. So we're forcing you into the right direction. If you feel like doing something stupid, we won't let you. We won't let you save a bad feed. We'll show you a feed review if you do save it so you can see where you go wrong. What can you do with Data Feed Optimization that will actually improve the results of your campaign is fixing problems. It's not sexy. It has to be done. It's against disapprovals. Then again, mind you, if 20% of your products are being disapproved, for example, because you didn't add a color field, that also has a big impact on your sales. Because now you're selling only 80% of your products on Google instead of 100. So fixing problems, fixing disapproval is really super important. And then if you look into optimization, I already gave you the title example. That's number one. But let's not forget the images. Images are not necessarily something that you can optimize within a data feed tool. However, since the image 
comprises what would it be cost 60 66 percent of the total space of a product ad and since humans have become way more visual over time the image is your killer ad you do not have good images forget it you will lose the battle from your competitors who did invest in good images and good doesn't only mean that they are without text and they're on a white background and stuff like that. It means they need to be high quality with a lot of pixels and don't put the article on your kitchen table and use your iPhone to take a picture. Go to the studio and make real beautiful pictures. They are compelling. Spend time on that. And in terms of optimizing your images for your feed, you probably have an average of five images in your feed anyway. Then just make sure that you map your best image uh, as the main image and the rest as additional images. Basically, optimizing field title is number one. Image is number two also because it gets you a lot of errors. But creating custom labels is the third. A custom label is something that is in Google and Facebook and some other channels like that. It enables you to put out a bit on something that's not like the ID or the brand or the product type or something like that. So you want to build on something else, you create a custom label for it. So we see that our customers are creating custom labels for products that are on sale or in a certain category, or they're, they're making a custom label for the best sellers. Makes sense, right? You got your best sellers, you want to sell more, so you want to bid 10% more on that. Custom labels will help you to maybe enhance your bidding, right? So you may be selling shoes, you're selling them at a CPA of, let's say, 15 bucks, and you're making profit, you're a happy camper. But then at some point, you drill down in the data, and then you actually see that among your shoes, 20% is like cheap shoes. The gross margin after subtracting the 15 bucks CPA is zero or even negative. So you're losing money on the cheap shoes. You're making lots of money on the medium-priced shoes. And then the high-end shoes, you're making a boatload of profit. However, you're not selling that many. So now you can introduce custom labels for, let's say, free price categories of all of your mm -hmm. shoes. And then you're going to bid less on the cheap shoes. So CPA goes down to 10 bucks. You're still making money. Medium price shoes, you're good. High price shoes, you're going to increase your bid. Your profit is going to go down, but your sales is going to skyrocket. And altogether, you're making even more money than you did. So drilling the down, drilling down in the data and using custom labels optimize your bids, that's also a way to get really profitable. Okay. I think there's a ton of golden nuggets that you just mentioned there to really make it work. Tell me a little bit about the pricing on the setup and the onboarding. How does that work? Pricing starts at 69 US dollars per month and it goes up via 89 to 239 to whatever you need. We have a modular pricing, so that means that we're already quite affordable for SMB retailers, but we also have a lot of very large and enterprise-level customers, like, for example, Adidas, who get tailored pricing because they have tens of thousands of products in dozens and dozens of countries. Anything goes, but you only pay for what you need and you're not paying anything extra. The average customer signs up the day feed watch and then connects your store. And then the first thing we ask, like not even a person, but on the screen, you want to set up your own feeds or you want us to do it? The majority of the customer says, no, I want to do it myself. But still there's a fair chunk of customer says, yeah, you guys do it for me. Needing to understand how to do it, we'll just do it for you and it will run. Uh, and you just need to Copy the link of the feed into your Google Merchant Center or Facebook Business Center and you're good to go. But for the ones that want to do it themselves, they can get an onboarding call. So it usually takes half an hour, more or less. Then if it was very intuitive, so it's easy to explain 
what to do in order to optimize your feed. Yeah. By the end of the call, we probably mapped your first feed. You can probably instantly copy it to the next channel and you're good to go as well. Lastly, since I used your tool a lot, David Watch is a tool. You need to do it yourself. But you know, like I said, we do onboarding, we'll do it for you, anything you want. Most importantly, I will say 50% of what we do is the tool. The other 50% is support. So we provide support almost around the clock. First response time is often like less than 30 seconds. So with a single click, you're talking to somebody who will instantly solve your problem, advise you how to create a custom label, discuss with you what to exclude in order to be more profitable and what have you. So even customers that have been with us for like years know the tool better than I do. They will still hit the chat balloon every once in a while to get some help, to get some advice and what have you. Because after all, we have people that have been doing this for years on a daily basis. So David Watch is a service. It is not a tool. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Where can people find more about you guys? DataFeedWatch.com. You'll find everything there about the service. We have an incredibly uh, large blog where you'll find basically articles on any possible way to optimize your product data and your campaign performance. Okay. I will put the link in the show notes and you just one click away. Chuck, thanks so much for giving a very in-depth overview of what Data Feed Watch can do for merchants. I think having a good data feed is crucial for every business that wants to grow. For the ones that are listening and don't have a data feed activated right now, definitely look into Data Feed Watch. Thanks so much for the call today. Alrighty, thanks a lot, Klaus. Have a good one. You too. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. As a reminder, we have a growing community of e-commerce professionals where you can share your insights, ask questions, and learn from other merchants. If you're interested in joining, please visit our website at ecommercecoffeebreak.com and sign up for the community. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to stay updated on the latest marketing trends and strategies for Shopify e-commerce merchants. See you next time.